Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. You know, where, where you live or where you come from um, determines a lot of your characteristics. It can determine your likes, your dislikes, your attitudes, dispositions, sometimes even physical attributes. For example, if you live in a place that's warm with a lot of sun, you might have darker skin. If you live in a place that's cold all the time, then you're able to withstand colder temperatures than someone who's constantly exposed to, who isn't exposed to those conditions. There's some unique conditions for those of us who call New York City home, right? Let me give you guys some. You know you're from New York if you call the corner store or the deli a bodega, right? Uh, you know you're from New York if you pronounce coffee, coffee, right? Or when you eat pizza, you fold it in half, right? Or, or if someone passes out on the train, you just mind your business and stay on your phone. <laughs> where you live or where you come from, what you call home, greatly impacts how you behave, what your perspective is, and even your speech or your accent. What if I told you that as followers of Jesus that we have a greater home than what we experience in New York City? What if I told you that you have a greater citizenship than your country of origin or where you currently live? Look at what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 13. He says, For this world is not our permanent home, we are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. And in today's passage, Paul is going to encourage the church in Philippi to live as citizens, not of Rome or the city that they're in, but of heaven. And here's the thing. New York City is not your home. Where you currently live, where you have lived in the past, where you will live five years from now is not your final resting place. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is only a pit stop. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, what the Bible teaches is that we're a part of a greater kingdom, a kingdom of way more importance, significance, and magnitude than where we live right now. But in the meantime, we're here. And since we're a part of a greater kingdom, God sends us, the gospel compels us, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to live as ambassadors of this greater kingdom. We're to live as citizens of heaven, and so what does that mean? What does it mean to live as citizens of heaven? Paul paints three ideas in today's passage. And here's number one. We live worthy of the gospel. Here's how Paul puts it in verse 27 of chapter one. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm. Paul is going to give us some examples of what living worthy of the gospel entails. But I think we need to begin with harking on this idea of being citizens of heaven. What it brings to my mind is the idea of priority. Because if earth isn't our final destination, if being in the presence of God experiencing true rest is our home, then our priority needs to be Christ. It's back to the idea which Paul stated twice earlier that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like we mentioned last week, our purpose, our identity, our meaning doesn't derive from what we do, our status, our wealth, or the lack thereof. 
an idea, a philosophy, none of that. Our purpose stems from Christ. So why is this something that we mention so much? It's because no matter how much we say it or understand that Christ should be our priority, we still don't live it out fully. We still give priority to other things, to lesser things. However, if the, if the gospel is true, if Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life, if he died in our place as atonement for our sin and he rose from the grave to grant forgiveness of sin and new life, then doesn't that sound important? Doesn't that sound of eternal significance? Like a, a God over everything type of significance. So then why is it such a challenge to live lives worthy of the gospel? Why is it such a challenge to put Christ first? Living worthy of the gospel means that we are standing firm in the gospel. Look at the middle of verse 27, which says just that, that we ought to stand firm, which means that a life worthy of the gospel is not for wimps. You have to stand firm because People, things, philosophies, and ideas will try to knock you over. But a life worthy of the gospel resists and stands firm upon the truth of the gospel, even when other things try to knock you down. Listen to me carefully. The world, the news, TV, magazines, advertisements, influencers, YouTube, and TikTok are trying to push you over. Many organizations and individuals on those platforms will try and counter the gospel with demonic teaching, with contrary teaching, with opposition and argumentation, and you're going to have to stand firm. Some of you are too easily influenced and pushed around by the world. You're quick to compromise the word of God and the gospel simply for the sake of appeasing popular opinion because this person has a blue check by the name, so obviously they know what they're saying. Or because this person has so many followers and likes on their posts, so obviously what they're saying is true. And because you're so easily moved, you're not standing firm on the gospel. And since you're not standing firm on the gospel, you're not living a life worthy of the gospel. You have to stand firm. And if you think I'm being too rough, please forgive me. But I need you to know the truth because I don't want you to get easily swayed and persuaded by the false ideologies of this world. And I refuse to dumb down or water down the gospel to scratch itchy ears. It's been said that soft words produce hard hearts, but hard words produce soft hearts. And my desire is for us to be a bunch of humble-hearted people standing firm on the gospel in humble submission to our priest king, Jesus Christ. So are you living a life worthy of the gospel by standing firm on the gospel, despite what the rest of the world says or thinks? What does it mean to live as a citizen of heaven? Number two, Paul's going to say, it means that we stand united. And he says it this way. He goes on to say, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of, your, of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. And I love this because it is not only that one person stands firm or that you as an individual, but that also together as a unit we stand firm. And there's a couple different ways that Paul says we can stand united. He says in one spirit. In other words, standing together upon the foundation of the gospel. 
that we stand united in the freedom that the gospel grants us through forgiveness of sin and new life as one family, standing together in one overwhelming sense of joy for what Christ has done. The big idea is that there is unity here, not contention and division, which unfortunately we do tend to find so often in the body of Christ. So here's the question for you. Do you promote unity or are you a person of dissension? Are you a person of divisiveness? Because here's the thing, citizens of heaven live in unity and harmony. Citizens of heaven, we pursue peace over problems. We pursue resolution over revolution. Paul also says that we stand united on one accord, which means that we have to be on the same page. We have to be on one mission, sharing one faith, making much of one name, taking our marching orders from one book. Why is that? Well, how can we ever march forward if everyone is walking in different directions? If we're going to be in one accord, we have to be on the same page. Do you find yourself coming upon difficult passages of Scripture and then find yourself contradicting the Word of God to simply fit the world's ideas into the pages of Scripture. Some of you are not on the same page because you're attempting to smash the world's ideas into God's ideas. Or you're trying to intermingle your own thoughts and ideologies and experiences into the Bible to twist the Scriptures to mean what you think. But it doesn't work. It's like water and oil. The two things don't mix. To be on one accord, we have to be on the same page. Then he goes on to say, contending together for the faith, which means essentially having a ready defense for what we believe and why we believe it. Our faith is challenged on the daily, and we have to contend for it. We have to defend it. Your co-workers will challenge your faith. Your friends at school will challenge your faith. Without a doubt, your professors and teachers at school will challenge your faith. Politicians and policymakers will do the same. What will be your response? Is this simply the Bible says it, I believe it, and the story? Okay, well, great for you, but why do you believe what the Bible says? What is the source of your belief? How has God worked in your life in the past? How is He actively at work in your life now? We have to contend together for the faith because our faith will be challenged. Our faith will be pushed against. We have to have a ready defense. Lastly, what does it mean to live as a citizen of heaven? It means, number three, that we suffer well. Paul goes on to say in verse 29 and 30, For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Many people have a theology of prosperity, of peace, of blessing, but not many have formulated a theology of suffering well. A life worthy of the gospel doesn't only focus on the blessings and ignore the sufferings to take place. Let me remind you that as Paul pens these words, he's in a season of suffering where his freedoms have been taken away from him. He's writing this letter to his friends in Philippi from a season of incarceration for sharing the gospel no less. But a life worthy of the gospel realizes that the suffering we're currently experiencing on this side of heaven is only temporary and that something way better awaits us. And since we're citizens of heaven, earth was never meant to be our permanent home, our 
permanent place of residence. It's only a pit stop. And what awaits us is so much better. Is that your perspective? Do you realize that as citizens of heaven, this suffering is only temporary? Or are you so engulfed by what you see, feel, and experience around you that it's all you think about and it's all that you've allowed to consume you? Allow me to wrap up our time like this. Some of you came in today and you're suffering. You recently lost someone or you will be losing someone soon who you love dearly. You're suffering from sickness or pain that the doctors have no answers for. You're suffering from a broken relationship or a broken heart from a messy breakup or hurtful words from a person that you love. Let me encourage you with these words. A theology of suffering draws the conclusion that this suffering is only temporary. That for those who made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, the suffering that we experience on this side of heaven is only momentary. That one day, because of what God has made available, we will be away from this suffering and in His presence forever. What did God do? What exactly did God make available? Well, it's the gospel that God put on flesh in the person and work of Jesus, and He suffered. He suffered so that your suffering would only be momentary. He made a provision for you so that your sins could be paid for by the suffering of Christ on the cross. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God, the wrath you and I were due for our sin. And He died on our behalf so that by His blood we might be made pure. And on the third day, Jesus conquered the grave so that we can have forgiveness of sin, new life, our eternity secured, and the promise that this suffering we experience is only momentary. And if you're here and you want to experience the security, all you need to do is put your faith in the finished work of Christ. It's made available to any and all who would believe. And I encourage you to put your faith in Him today. And for the rest of us, where's your citizenship? In other words, what's got all your attention, devotion, and loyalty? Because listen, we're only passing through. We're citizens of heaven living for a greater purpose, called to a greater calling, awaiting something way better. So let's live worthy of the gospel, standing firm on the truth of the gospel. Even when the rest of the world pushes against us, we're going to stand firm on God's word, God's truth, and God's promises. Let's live worthy of the gospel, standing united, pursuing peace and harmony, reconciliation with one another, contending for the faith, giving evidence for what we believe, sharing the gospel in and through us to all those around us. Let's live worthy of the gospel by suffering well, knowing full well what Jesus said, that on this side of heaven, we will face suffering, but take heart for he has overcome the world. And this suffering is only temporary. What is awaiting us is way better because we're citizens of heaven. And so God, we pray that you would help us to live lives worthy of the gospel. Help us to fight this unity and to stand united upon the gospel in the face of opposition. Lord, I pray that you would help us to suffer well. Remind us that the pain that we experience now is only temporary. We thank you, Lord, for the provision that you've made in Jesus to draw us near to you. I pray, God, for those especially that are suffering now that are experiencing pain, difficulty, and hardship. And I pray, God, that you would bring some comfort to them, even so now, 
that you would remind them that this affliction that we experience now is only temporary. And one day, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we'll be away from that affliction, away from that pain, away from all this suffering, and be in your presence forever. We thank you for that provision in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?